Right, so welcome to the first of my podcasts, first podcast I've ever done. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a microphone on the desk. Uh, I don't have any special software. Um, I've got a pair of headphones on and I'm recording it through that on the voice memos on my computer. So let's just see how it goes. Um, I'm going to be doing some introductions. I think the first episode of any podcast, really, no matter how do, who does it, is explaining who the person is and why you should listen to them. And then from there, we'll talk a little bit about, I suppose, an introduction to copywriting as well. So if you're listen, listening to this today as an experienced writer, it's probably going to be stuff that you already know. But it's always nice to revisit, isn't it? And you can always maybe learn something that you didn't learn all those years ago when you started out or you've forgotten. And a nice little refresher. So I'll just give you a little bit of background as to why I'm doing this now. Um, I'm Phil Brown. I'm from Newcastle, as you could probably already tell. I now live in the Cotswolds. Um, and I've been a freelance copywriter for best part of 10 years, maybe 11 years. Um, so I started out, I did a degree in German. I still speak German to a sort of level, if you put it that way. I can't write German anymore. I've forgotten how to do that. Um, but yeah, that gave me a bit of a foundation in languages uh, and understand the English language a little bit better. I didn't do English at school. Or you, well, I did to GCSE, obviously, because you have to. <clears throat> but I didn't do it at A-level. I didn't do a degree in it. So anybody who says, oh, I want to be a writer, and people say, oh, you're only good at English, just ignore them. You don't even really need to be good at English. It'll come with time. So I didn't do English language, literature, anything like that. I just I studied German, and that gave me that platform to understand grammar, understand vocabulary a little bit better, um, and then apply it to my mother tongue, which, uh, which is Geordie, and then English. So that's a little bit about my background. So how did I come into copywriting? So I actually did my first bit of paid written work well before I started being a freelance copywriter. So I did a bit of writing for a company when I was at university. Um, I basically wrote them some emails. That was before I even knew what the word copywriting meant. I was in that group of people who think copywriting is something to do with applying patents and trademarks, which when I tell people what I do for a living, and you'll definitely resonate, this will resonate with you if you're a copywriter, and you say, oh, I'm a copywriter. People go, oh, which products do you copyright? And you're like, oh, God. So, yeah, so th that was my first paid, bit, bit of paid work. And we're talking like, well, 15 years ago then, early. Um, maybe, maybe 30, 14 years. And I actually, <laughs> strangely enough, how did I get into the world of copywriting um, properly was I read a, I can't remember, it was something like BuzzFeed or something like that, you know, one of those um, clickbait articles. And it was just as I'd, after I'd graduated, I was in a graduate graveyard job. I was, I was, which I'll come to in a different podcast, but um, I was in a sales role. <clears throat> I did a few sales jobs before I realized that I saw the light and realized that writing was the way to, uh, to live. Um, I, I, I read an article that's, that it was ways to make money. So it's the, working in sales was okay, but obviously you're pegged to whatever you earn, that, whatever you sell that month, whatever you earn, um, gives you a commission. Um, and re in reality, that wasn't enough for what, I, what the lifestyle that I wanted to live. So uh, I started looking at ways to supplement my income. And this is in the days where, you know, um, God, I hate this word so much, hustle culture. 
Oh, there's nothing worse than an American concept being brought overseas and the word just not working. It happens so often. Um, you know, and, and anybody who says the word hustle to me, I just think you're either playing pool or you're into something that's a little bit dirty. So I try not to say that word in real life, but obviously I have to give the example on here. So this is this was all before everybody was getting into these sort of second jobs or evening jobs. And it was quite rare still that you'd have people who would, you know, realise that they could turn the day job into money. Things like, um, you know, LinkedIn was massive, obviously, but it wasn't quite at the level it was now where, you know, you've got um, you've got so many opportunities just popping up in front of you. And it was quite difficult to um, go out go out as a freelancer. I'm talking sort of 2011, 2012 here. Um, you know, it, 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 social media wasn't quite as massive as it is. Did working digitally, everybody was, believe it or not, everybody was still a little bit, they weren't as tech savvy as they are now, um, which is interesting. So basically, to get back on the point, the, the, the reason that I started writing was because I read one of these articles and it was ways to, to make money and it was to write a book. And I've got no interest in writing a book. I don't think I'll ever write, uh, I would never write fiction, for example, but no interest in writing fiction. I'll probably end up writing something that resembles a book. I've written that much in my in my life as a copywriter. It could be condensed into a lot of books. Um, but the real reason, I, and I saw this 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 um, this list, and one of it was write a book and sell it on Amazon. And I thought, okay, so because the, the if you want to go out and publish a book, you've got to write a book. Somebody else has got to like it. You've got to go through a publisher. You've got to distribute it. I've looked at doing this several times for clients and it's a pain in the backside, man. Honestly, the amount of time and effort it takes to get a book published is probably not worth it unless you're going to sell millions of them and, you know, that's how you're going to, going to make your living. <clears throat> but Amazon, as you all know, the, the barrier for entry is zero. You can basically write anything you want, stick a front cover on it, get an ISBN and put it out there for sale and anyone can buy it. And if you troll through Amazon's book lists, you know, you go like 900th page or whatever, there's some awful stuff out there. It's basically just somebody's slapped a PDF on there and charging money for it. And obviously nobody's bought it. But that was what was on the list. And me being a young, impressionable person who was money hungry at that time, I thought, well, you know, you could, you could write a book. But the next thing was, and if you're going to learn how to write a book, become a copywriter and, and write and people will pay you money. And I, at this point, I was already writing stuff daily for my job. I was I was writing sales emails. I was I took a little bit of a different approach with my selling, and it probably resembled copywriting. So um, yeah, that sales background gave me that that confidence to write and know that I was able to influence and persuade people, um, which is what we're going to cover in a second. But yeah, the the. The entry for me into copywriting was after that. I thought, okay, let's research this, and I started sniffing around and thinking, you know, how could I get work as a copywriter? I don't have any experience in it. It's that classic um, that thing that ev everyone has when they start out as a copywriter. They realise that they don't have a portfolio, they don't have anything to go off. So what had to happen was I had to get a portfolio together, and that often meant faking work <laughs> and I'm sure everyone's had to do it or think about doing it is you have to come up with something that you've done that you didn't do for anyone and it's designers especially when you see junior designers you know their portfolio will be full of stuff where they've taken a, 
a popular well-known brand and they've put their own spin on it or they've developed a product for them or something like that it's just to show off their design skills and there's nothing malicious about it but you have to kind of do the same with copy sometimes so that that's what i ended up doing and actually i found that it was this was um well before the time of, of sort of what another horrible phrase gig economy um but it was the time when content mills and services like fiverr and all that sort of stuff um and freelancer and websites where you could sign up and sell your services they were just starting to really kick off so i started out with a, a, um, a company called copify <clears throat> i want to put a link to copify because i think it's a great way for um aspiring content and copywriters to get get some experience under the belt and get paid at the same time the pay isn't great and the work that you're doing it's gonna be super varied but it's really weird sometimes um and you'll be writing a lot of things like product descriptions but honestly it's really great exposure to copywriting and it gives you a really good foundation it definitely did for me and anyway that's how i started out and it was actually i was doing it alongside the the sales job which i continued for a few years um doing it that way and I, I had a, effectively a double income because I started getting really good at copywriting. And then I landed my first client. I think I applied to a job on Indeed as a freelance copywriter. And I think I was so cheap that they were just intrigued to have the conversation. I think I had a phone interview. These, this company was based in, in Leeds. It was like an agency. And I lived in Birmingham. And I was offering to commute up to, Birmingham, to Leeds sorry, from Birmingham. And they were laughing because I didn't have any idea back then about remote work. And I was sitting in, off, in an office 8.30 in the morning, 6 at night. I just thought that's what it, what it was like. So remote working was still, you know, we were a million miles off people working from home on the regular. You know, you had some people would maybe have an odd Friday or Friday afternoon where they'd log on from home. But this whole hybrid and remote working thing, the trust wasn't quite there yet. So that was really interesting to, uh, to be right at the forefront of that. Um, you know, maybe the late 2000s was when it really kicked off. Um, but but it felt like that time um, was when everybody started getting really into remote writing. So that's how, that's, that's the, the, how I started in copywriting. And over the last 10 years, it's been a bit of a mix. So I have done some in-house roles mixed in with that. So I actually took some, I took on full-time work when I had my children. Well, the second child's on the way, sorry, when I'm having my children. But mostly freelance for a good, good decade or so um and then that's developed into having semi-regular clients new clients different types of work so one one thing that you'll hear is some copywriters get a niche and they stick in that niche i've never really i've never that's never really happened to me i, th I don't know if it's because i learned fast or whether i just actively haven't done it i've never got myself into a niche I, it, a few times i've become specialized in things i think there's a difference because specialized means you can jump across a few different things whereas if you just sit in one niche so I know another copywriter, for example, his, his niche is hotels. He's really banging, you know, he's nailed hotels. Um, he's banging into that and understands how hotels work and he knows the industry and, you know, that's his thing, that's his bread and butter. But I can't think of anything worse than getting stuck on one, cons one, one um, topic <clears throat> and doing that forever. So don't be worried if you've been told to get in a niche and it isn't for you. You can be a generous copywriter. You can write about anything you want if you've got the, the desire and the ability. So um, that's it. And then sort of last, well, COVID, um, nothing really happened for me because I was employed. So it wasn't like lots of people's freelance work just disappeared overnight. Some people had really tough times. 
um, that was the time where I realised that I needed to start thinking about what my long-term goal was, was with copywriting and whether I wanted to be um, doing this freelance game forever. And I think, yes, it is. I'm still going to write forever. You know, I, I, doubt, I, I doubt I'll retire. Um, I love it that much. I genuinely have a passion and love for writing. Um, but what I really get a kick out of is helping others to do it. Um, and I've managed teams before. I've had um, two or three juniors underneath me. I've taught people from scratch. I've managed experienced copywriters. And the best part of it is when you see somebody that's the skills aren't quite there yet, or they're just still refining their skills, and you can just give them that little uplift and just say, "Got a couple of critiques, or you know, a couple of ideas, or a bit of inspiration," and off they go and they create something that was infinitely better than when you first saw them. And that's what I want to do for everyone who's interested in learning about copywriting. So this is the next stage, is to go into um, becoming more of a, um, a consultant, or I don't know, what would you call it? The word that you, people keep saying to me, which I really hate, is influencer, but I suppose that's what you've got to be a little bit of an influencer. So I just want to get really embedded in the copywriting community, and other people doing exactly the same as what I'm doing, so I'm not reinventing the wheel. <clears throat> I'm just trying to give you my experience uh, my understanding of copywriting and a bit of a spin um, that will hopefully give you um, some more information. So that's the first half. That's me. That's me introduced. Um, what else can I tell you about me? Um, I'm married with two kids. Uh, one who's already with us, who's great, Roxana, who's one and a half. And I've got another baby on the way in, in September, so September 2022, if you listen to this in the future. Hello, future guys. I'm really worried about you. Um, and yeah, th and and that's really all you need to know. You'll learn more as we go on, obviously, and I'll tell you more about my past experiences that will contribute to the, the content that we'll cover. So let's just move on a little bit. So I've introduced me, so I think it's time to introduce copywriting. So hopefully this isn't the point where all of you experienced copywriters listen to this, trail off and decide to go and, and listen to something else or do something else. Um, I'm just going to give you a really brief overview of, of what copywriting is, um, a few tips on how to get into it, um, and a little bit about my experiences and me getting into it right at the start of, of my career, which I've already kind of touched on. Um, so yeah, so let's dive into that. Cool, so let's do introduction to copywriting. So if you're just listen to this uh, as a fresh copywriter and you, you know, you're aspiring to go far and you're thinking about, you know, how can I do this? How can I work for myself? Or how can I go and join a really cool company or work for an agency? You know, what, what do, how do I define it? Let's just quickly define what copywriting is. And I'll give you my definition. So copywriting isn't like any other writing. It's not like content writing. So I'll touch on what that is in a second. It's uh, it's not like writing fiction or non-fiction. It's not like writing prose. It's very much writing that is designed to persuade someone to do something. Simple as that. So writing something to persuade someone to do something. So let's look at commercial copywriting. Essentially what copywriting is, it's very core, designed many decades ago to go with as we emerged as capitalists and as we decided that buying products was the way forward, um, you know, we realized that those products soon 
the, the, the companies making, they wouldn't have a, a monopoly. If you go back really far in time, you know, we're talking like late 1800s here, mid, mid, middle of the 1800s, late 1800s, you know, you'd go into a, a, a store back then and there would be three, maybe, maybe two options on the shelf, maybe just one option on the shelf and it would just have the name of the product of what it was and it might tell you a little bit about what was in it or something like that. And there was that was it. That was all you got as a consumer um, in, in the 1800s or so. Before that, you obviously didn't even have a container or a package or anything. It was just given you off the shelf or you'd buy it directly from the person without seeing it. So the whole um, you know journey towards buying stuff um, is really developed, I think, out of a, 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 a lack of having a monopoly on stuff and, a, and a, the consumer having a better understanding of what they're going to going to be buying so you know fast forward to you know the late 1800s and we have to go to america for this because i don't think europe or any other part of the world even got close to what the americans were doing um was you you know when when, as that as they expanded west and they realized the the level of people that were coming from uh, europe into into that part of the world at the time and other parts of the world as well um they've they've they, they realised the the scope, uh, and you know this is why those gold rushes and things like this happening. And following that success, following those people were the people who were selling them goods. Um, and the first point I'm going to come to was the Sears catalogue, Sears Sears and Roebuck, I think it was Sears catalogue, eighteen something or other. I can't tell you when, but it was late eighteen hundreds, and it was basically it followed the railroad. So the railroad gave the Sears catalogue. Um, you could you could. You'd be working at the other end of the railroad somewhere near San Francisco and you could have, you could write, you could get the thing you wanted out of the catalogue, write off your order and it would be brought on the train to you and you'd get it a few weeks later or whatever it was. And Sears, if you look at old Sears catalogues, that's when you really start to see sales copy emerging. It's really funny because, you know, you, you've got these, these, you're trying to sell somebody something and they have never seen it before. And you've got to explain what it is a little bit. And this is where the creative kicks off. They definitely weren't the first to do commercial, to do copywriting. No way. But it's a great example of, of where copywriting started emerging and, 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 and where, when it came to. So, you know, go into the late 1800s, early 1900s, and, you know, this is when industrialization is really going big. And, you know, you, you hit sort of the, the 1900s, 1900 and 1910. Another fantastic example of it, he said it, so it's not technically copyright, it is copywriting. And it's actually wrong. I don't think it was ever actually said, but it's the one we all remember. It's Ford when he said, you can have any colour you want as long as it's black. And I don't think he actually said it, so don't quote me on that. Don't tell me I'm wrong, because I know I'm wrong. But it's a great example of something that we all um, remember and it's you know that's the product differentiator. It's the it's the quirky element that everyone remembers about that particular product, and it's one of the first good examples of copywriting. And if you look at anything around that time, um, you know you start getting newspaper editorials that are more about just um, you know explaining what the thing does and how much it costs. You start to see examples of how it's going to improve your life. You know what who who should be buying it establishing who the audience is and giving them the, the the power you know you're handing them this golden opportunity in exchange for you buying their product <clears throat> and soon this you know this really develops rapidly yeah, in the war period and other parts of the world really start catching on to this this way of selling stuff using writing 
you know, and then to, you get into these the, the, the magic, uh, you know, the post-war booms of various economies around the world. And you, you look at Japanese copyright, and you know, back then, you know, back before pre-war Japan, <laughs> you'd, it was like middle of the 1800s, you know, you'd go to a shop and you'd ask for product X and they'd chuck it in a bag and give it to you. And now, famously, their, 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 their product copy in Japan, I can't read Japanese, but I've been shown it and translated it in English. It's super overcomplicated. And you, every time you see a Japanese flyer or something like that, there's too much writing on it. It's too much for anyone to digest. But it must be something to do with suddenly, obviously, there's a, everyone could afford everything very quickly. It was a booming economy. Same thing happened with South Korea. And obviously, there's so many products on the market. There's so much stuff going on. You've got to really start either differentiating yourself or give lots of information. And this is where this, these complexities come around, come around. And you've got to start becoming cleverer as well. And, you know, this is where we can go really go to jump back to America. We, we start seeing those classic copywriters coming around who are selling to, um, selling to America post-war, who've, again, got this disposable income. Um, that comes with, you know, those booms in the, in the, in the coming out of depression in the 40s and 50s and into that, um, you know, that golden era of consumerism in the 60s where gas is super cheap. Every, you know, everyone's got a job. It's, it's golden time in, in the US and everyone's buying stuff. And, you know, you watch series like Mad Men and, you know, they're not joking about, um, about Madison Avenue in New York back then. Uh, you know, the, the reason that those agencies became a thing, the reason why there's agencies today is because these, these, these people that made these products realized that consumers had so much choice and that there was so much money to be had out there, you know, they could afford to get to, to bring in these amazing ideas that they didn't have themselves. You know, it wasn't just a few guys stood in, stood in the basement of a department store going, mm, how, how are we going to sell this thing? You know, they, they got geniuses to come up with these ideas and, uh, jingles and, and TV adverts and stuff like that. So this is where copywriting really starts emerging as a as a, a real powerful force. Um, and to bring, you know, essentially that word I used before, persuade. Again, it was to persuade the person to part with their money. It was to persuade the person that that product that they had was infinitely better than than anything else on the market. And it was also that opportunity to persuade that person to you know engage with that that brand. And this is where we start to see brands emerging as well. You know, you've, 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 you've got memorable brands coming around about, about that time in the US and other parts of the world. <clears throat> so you've got, you know, you've, you've, you've got copy playing a really big role in those things. And then all the way right through until the modern day, it just developed and grew and became critically important in the sales process. Um, and, you know, it was the stuff that you'd, you'd see on the, on the, in the tube and the way to work. The stuff that you see on TV advert, reading the magazine, and then obviously online comes along, and copywriting becomes even more important. You know, as as we start, we start to be the, the number one way of advertising now, advertised to online, um, and and you know this is where I come in, came into that world. You know, online was all well well established when I started writing, writing copy, and you know writing things for magazines and stuff like that, and do proper editorial work was nowhere near as important. So. Um, a bit of an evolution of copywriting there. What what does copywriting look like now and into the future? I think you know everyone. Everyone over the last few years has, has said you know video is literally the way forward now because everyone can make it. It's well accepted. You know you've got you've got platforms like TikTok absolutely exploding. But I still think on top of that, there's only so far videos are going to go. And essentially, you're still going to have to say things in those videos. It can't all just be visual media. You know, you're still going to have a message in there. 
and and brands are forgetting this. I saw JD JD. I don't shop at JD Sports, but I saw a JD Sports advert the other day on TikTok, and it was just them showcasing the products, and then a link off to the website. It didn't have any prices. It didn't have any reason to. You know, there was no unique selling point. There was no reason to go there. It was just yeah, the products look cool, and I'm sure people did visit the website just from seeing the imagery. But it just lacked something for me. It felt a bit, um, you know, obviously it's hard because you, you, you've you only got a certain amount of attention span of the consumer. You know, you, you, you shouldn't have too much music on these videos sometimes because not everybody listens and not everybody looks at TikTok with the sound turned up. They only turn up the sound when they want to hear something. So it's, um, I think there's still definitely a place for it. And I think it will come back around really strong when, you know, we at the time I'm speaking now, 2022, the consumerist world is going to be struggling, I think, for a little while as we um, struggle with cost of living. Um, and it's becoming, going to become even harder to get people to part with their money. And obviously there's even more competition now from, from different brands and different products, some of which do exactly the same thing. So I think that's where, where we're going to, you know, in my opinion, where coffee is going to, going to become the real differentiator when you really persuade that audience to buy into you or your thing or whatever you do because you've got that much competition. So I still think there's a really strong place for copywriting. So let's just separate copywriting from content writing. So I will talk about content writing a lot because it's a big part of what I do. It's a big part of what copywriters do. It's two very different things, however. So I think it's really important to establish what, co what copywriting and content are, uh, why, they're, why they're separate things. So copywriting, as I've said, it's that uh, persuasive writing, it's to make you do something, it's that call to action, it's that tagline, it's that sales email, it's that thing that you see when you, you know, you're on the market and funnel possibly, and you, you know, you're on the fence, or you're doing your research, or whichever phase you're at, and suddenly, um, you know, you've, you've got to make a decision, it's the copy that's going to sway you, um, and that's, that for me, it's, you know, you, a copy, copywriting isn't writing a 500 word article, or opinion piece, or whatever it is, it's that snappy, engaging, exciting stuff, that's going to persuade someone to part with their money or sign up to a service or visit a website or donate to the donkeys or whatever it is. Content writing, on the other hand, this is where um, the word content is a strange one in my book because content now refers to everything you see online. It's video, it's, um, you know, it's podcasts like this. It's people putting images on their social media. But it's also written words and content, uh, when you think about it, is... It's essentially the stuff that fills up your your you know your world around you um, online, especially. So content writing for me is yeah, it's those articles, it's those blog posts, it's the, you know the, the, those opinion pieces, those listicles, um, you know you, those clickbait websites where I mentioned I first got inspired to copyright or found out about copyright, I should say. Um, you know it's the, it's those articles you see you know t telling you about. Uh, what's happening with Hollywood celebrities or whatever it is? That's content, and it's all. You can also apply that to some as a social media post. Depends on what the social media post is about, but it's essentially any sort of writing that's the filler around your copy. I think so. Um, content writing is still really important because obviously it's that whole, um, you know, it's that added value. Um, you know, it, it might expand on what you're telling the audience, but it's also your platform as well to be, you know, be your own person, give opinions, uh, you know, and, and this is this is the exciting bit with both elements. Copywriting, you know, it's your turn to persuade people with content writing is where you can really dig into the bones of it and, you know, you can cover a subject. 
Um, and I, I would say I've probably spent more of my career being a content writer than a copywriter. I prefer being a copywriter, but essentially you get you're going to get lumped into both um, both sides of it unless you specifically set out to say no, I only write copy. I don't write content. You need a content writer for that. But this is the thing with you, the clients that you'll come across or the businesses that you work with or the organizations that you work with, they'll expect you to be able to do both. And I think that's a fair expectation. I think any copywriter worth a salt can write good content as well because it's, it's never more than a few steps away. You, you couldn't say I'm a really good, you, could, you couldn't say I'm a really good copywriter, I'm not, not a great content writer. You could, I suppose, vice versa. There is a bit of a skill with copywriting, a bit of a knack to it. Um, but but you as a good writer, you should be able to do both. And I encourage copywriters to do both as well because you're going to end up with a more varied life. You're going to learn more stuff. You're going to get exposed to more stuff and you'll have more work coming in because you're not just waiting for those one-off magic called copywriting jobs. You know, you might be waiting a long time, some months. Um, so it's good good to get involved with both. So that's introduction to copywriting. And I think we've probably about hit the half an hour mark. I said I would try and keep these to half an hour, but I just want to speak for a little bit longer um, and talk about uh, ways to get into copywriting. And I told you a little bit about how I got into copywriting. Um, you know, I, I, I got stuck in and got in touch with, um, well, I started signing up to content uh, mills, they're called. Um, and they're essentially companies that you sign up to that they, they hire freelancers and they handle the work between you and the client. But the other way of doing it is setting out in the world as a freelancer. So if you're thinking about being a freelance copywriter um, and you've just either you've just graduated or you've, you haven't finished school yet or you're in a different job um, and you're thinking about switching to it, what I'd say to you is um, get your act together before you quit what you've got. Um, it's in, or unless you've got a limited bank funds or somebody else has been you know, bankrolling you or you can lean on a spouse or something like that to fund you for those vital first few months. Um, I did. I did. It, I, I did the the safe way, which was I stuck in a job that I knew I was going to leave uh, for about a year, two years, until I built up my experience, I built up my foundation of clients, um, and I and I really um, was ready to go to be off to be a freelancer before I decided to make that switch. Now that's not the right way to do it. No way. That's not the. That's not. I, I'm not saying to you 100. percent You should work with. You know, stick to what you do for a little while. What you should do is just have the foundations in place, please, before you go, you know what, quit tomorrow, I'm going to be a freelance copywriter because you've got out in the world and it'll be weeks before you get even uh, enough content together to get get a client to, to, um, to even consider you and it'll be months before you've got a client who's willing to pay you. So just bear that in mind before you go out there. You're not going to instantly catch those, um, those jobs that are going to pay you a, a decent salary um, or something to live off. So... First things first is to become good at writing. Everyone forgets this. They say, I want to be a copywriter. Become good at writing first. Go back to the drawing board. If you've got a background, if you've done English at university or whatever, if you've written before, fantastic. It shouldn't be a tough journey. But if you haven't done it for a long time and you just like the sound of copywriting, please do some exercises. Uh, shameless plug, I've got loads of great courses on the website, philbrowncopywriting.com. Um, links going to be added to this podcast wherever you see it, um, and you can you can you can go back to the drawing board there and learn the basics. Get back to spelling and grammar. Get back to um, you know the, the, the basic stuff that, uh, that that most people end up leaving school with. It's, it, well, definitely what I left ended up leaving school with. Um, so get that. Just just start start there. Assess what your skill levels like. 
do a few exercises, um, do do a few courses, and you know get to get to a point where you're a bit more comfortable writing. And obviously, my number one tip, always my number one tip, is to give other people your stuff to read. Let them read it and give you an opinion or a or feedback or a critique. Um, I'd still do that to this day. Everything I write, somebody else critiques it before I hand it to anyone. So um, that's that's a, that'd be my first thing. A second thing, yeah, is that portfolio. And this is the chicken egg thing. You know, I, I can't get any work on because I don't have a portfolio, but I can't make a portfolio because I haven't done any work. Go after those content mills. Pitch to work for free if you have to. You know, get in touch. You know, connect with other copywriters on LinkedIn. Ask them if they've got any work on that you can just support them with. You know, that's a, that's a really easy way of that copywriter will go, yeah, I was like you once. I might get some free work out with you. And if it's no good, I don't have to pay you. And if it is good, great. And you get the kudos and you can put it in your portfolio. And again, if you really want to, nobody's going to, nobody's going to, you know, murder you for it. Um, make up work. Do, do, do some exercises. Write uh, product descriptions. You know, do a, do a bit of creative marketing. Um, and, and do some do some creative copywriting and add it to your portfolio. And, you know, it's, if it's flexing your skills and showing off what you can do, I don't see any problem in that. Um, as long as you're not telling like blatant lies, you know, if you, it's not if you you're putting in your portfolio that you know you've worked for Apple or whatever and and you know done loads of copywriting for them and it's all just made up, that's not going to fly. But if you're really honest with your client and say, look, I've got this this work in here. I didn't really do it for anyone, but it's just to show you what I can do. Then that client will, will, will um, you know, might consider you because you've been honest with about that, and you haven't just padded out your portfolio with complete lies. Um, and then the next thing is to is to learn how to sell and learn how to sell yourself. Um, dealing with clients is really tough. As I say now, gig economy, everyone's a copywriter. Everyone's wanting to be a freelancer, having that side hustle, and writing copy is one of those popular ones because the, the bar for entry is really low. Anyone could do it. Anyone could, who can write can have a go at it. So you're up against a lot of competition. I saw a really great stat the other day that the average freelance copywriter now has a year and a half's worth of experience, which is really, you know, if you if you deep in this ten years like I am, it's really interesting that actually before this before the side hustle world came along, there weren't that very there weren't many of us. There weren't loads of copywriters out there. Um, and now there is. So th th this is the thing. You've got a lot of competition if you're coming in with fresh. So you've got to find a way to stand out. So that's point number one in selling yourself. You've got to be able to capture the client's attention. And then you've got to have that unique selling point. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to be able to talk to the client and say, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Client. I'm, co I'm, a, co I'm a copywriter, whatever your name is. Um, I, I know all about your, your uh, company. I've done lots of research. And actually, I wrote some things for your competitor. Uh, and here's my portfolio. I really think I can add some value to your uh, business because I've I've got first-hand experience of working with your competitor. There you go. There's a great unique selling point that would definitely get me interested as a client. You know a bit about what my competition's done. You've shown me some work. That's great. I've, I've got an, you've got a unique selling point there, and also you've given me a bit of an insight into to what you can do as a copywriter. So that's great. I'm interested. So if you don't have that, you've obviously got to come up with something that's going to capture the client's attention. And you've got to be able to say, look, Mr. Mr. Client, I haven't worked for your competitor. I don't have your um, your company nailed down, but I'm really cheap because I'm, <laughs> I'm an entry-level junior copywriter. 
and I will work for next to nothing for you and you'll give me some experience. It's going to be great. Some clients will look at that and they'll go, yeah, I could do that now. I, I, I've got a bit of product, um, product, I've got product descriptions that need writing or I've got a bit of on-page copy that isn't that important and I can get it done here um, for, for a decent price. So, you know, there's two really different approaches there. But the one thing that I always say with, with a um, pitch of the clients is to add value. That's, the, that's the, the number one way of doing it is to add some value to their, to their existence. And the way to do that is to research your client before you even get in touch with them. <clears throat> so look at, it goes beyond just looking at their website. It goes to looking at what copy they've got out there already. Um, it goes to, it goes to you know, if, if, they're, if they make consumer goods, for example, you look at all their adverts, you look at what they've got on YouTube, you look at the packaging that they've got, you know, you look at um, press releases they've done, you look at their PR. You know, you do you do a really deep dive on on this client before you consider pinging an email to them. Because if you just send them an email saying, "I'm going to be a copywriter for you," they're not going to they're not going to go for it because they probably get ten of those a day, and the day rates that they're getting through are either better than yours or worse than yours. So you're not going to stand out by doing it that way. But if you can go to a client and say, "Hello, Mr. Client, I found your uh, recent launch video on YouTube, and I read your press release that you that you put out." Um, and I, I noticed there was a, a, a few things in there I think I could elevate on, and I've written a short list of things that I think you could, you know, I would, I could really develop for you. And I've given you a few examples of, of, of just some short copy ideas that would make that product stand out even more. And then you, they, then you're instantly adding value. Sometimes the client will just go, oh, thanks for those. Don't need a copyright at the moment. But if you're really adding value to that client, showing that you've got that, um, you know, you've, 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 you've done something a little bit different than just pitching yourself. And you know you're adding value. That's really valuable too. And, and on the subject of pitching, pitching a really good idea can get you in in as well. And it's it, but it all starts with the research. You can't just pitch a good idea out of the blue. You've got to understand what the client does, what they want, and you you know you don't go in with advice, so you don't go in with with uh, adding value straight away. But you just pitch them a really great concept or you or an idea. You know that sometimes sticks as well. I find that works much better for content writing than copywriting because obviously content is always going to be something new. So you've got to get, really get used to pitching. I will do a whole podcast on pitching um, soon in the future. Um, but yeah, those, those are those are just a handful of tips to to get you started in copywriting. And then I think the, the final the final thing I'll give you is when you land the work, learn how to be a small business. Um, freelance copywriting. It sounds fun and glamorous, but it's it, there's times where it's a real pain in the ass. Um, example given, when you've got to find your accounts every year. I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not a numbers person at all, you can probably realise. Um, and having to sort out, the gather together all the invoices, to the point where now I've got an accountant, I pay an accountant to do it, and it's really lazy and it's a real waste of money because it isn't that hard. But it's one of those things where um, you, I, I learned a, a really harsh lesson was every every time when the tax comes round, I was having to take time off, away from writing to go and do it, um, and, I, and it meant I was earning less money as I tried to sort my accounts out. So I, by giving it away to someone else, I solved that problem, um, and it became a lot easier. Um, you've also got to you know you've got to become HR. You've got to look after yourself. You've got to make sure that you're happy doing what you're doing. You know, you've got, you've got out there as a freelancer and you're used to sitting in an office or having a team supporting you. You know, that's gone all of a sudden. So you've got to do those check-ins with yourself. You've got to pay yourself. You've got to make sure you're paying yourself enough money. Um, you've also got to learn how to do sales and marketing, as I've already mentioned. 
uh, you know, you've got to, you, in, in terms of um, IT, things like that, you know, you've got to fund yourself a laptop if you haven't already got one. You've got to get somewhere to work. If you can't work at home, you don't like working at home, you've got to think, where am I going to work? Coffee shops get really hard to work in after a while. You get sick of the, the distractions. And I, if I'm going to work remotely now, I'll go and work in a, I'll pay some to go and work somewhere for the day because I know that I'll, it'll be distraction free. You know, it's all these things. You've got to, you've got to think of yourself as a small organization, a small business. And you've got to be ready for all of the stuff that comes with that. It's not just going to be writing stuff down all day and, and um, you know, send it to the client. There's times where I've, I've, you know, delivered tons of work for clients, looked at my bank and went, where's all the money? And realized that I hadn't invoiced for any of it because I was so busy delivering it and writing it. I forgot to draw the invoices, make sure they all added up correctly. I had to go through, you know, weeks worth of emails to check that all the work I'd done was in the right place. So if you're not organized and you're not organized as a small company, you're going to struggle. So I learned the hard way and had to create systems where I could raise invoices quickly, make sure I was paying myself correctly. Because over the years, I've definitely lost money by being badly organized and sending the wrong amount on an invoice lower than what it should have been because I forgot to count work up. And probably sometimes over-invoiced clients. And I know I have because the clients have said, you've over-invoiced me. And it's just a case of, of, of not knowing how to run a business. So that's the that's the last bit of advice I'll give you is you've got to be prepared to know how to run a small business. So I've talked for a really long time there. That's as for a first podcast. I thought I'd be struggling to talk, but it's actually quite cathartic and you can help your system. So um, apologies that if you have listened all the way through, apologies that I haven't done this on a proper microphone. I don't really intend on doing it on a proper microphone because I'm not a podcaster. But I think it's really good to get your um, thoughts out there. I think it's really good to, to um, connect with the copywriters. And obviously, as these progress, I'll be given even more advice and more uh, insights and um, tips and tricks. And also talking much more about writing as well, because I, I, I'm fully conscious that I've talked a lot today about how I got into things and given advice on how to start, start copywriting. But I didn't really talk much about, you know, how to copyright. So I think in the next episode, we'll, we'll dive into that a lot more um, and start talking about how to, um, you know, how, how to, to take briefs, how to persuade clients to, to work with you instead of somebody else, how to win more work, how to approach a cold client, but then really get stuck into, um, you know, where to um, where to get great inspiration, um, you know, what, what, what to do if you get given a... Um, you know, a brief that you're really not sure to do with. What happens if you get a writer's block? What happens if you run out of good ideas? You know, these little things that sometimes these copywriting courses don't tell you. It just it, All it takes is someone with experience. I really lacked that at the start. I, I went out and did it, and I did try and speak to people who'd done it before, but because there were so few people back then who were either freelance copywriters or just copywriters, the ones that you did get in touch with didn't have time for you. And the ones that did want to speak to you were kind of at the same level as you. So it's hard. So I just wanted to make sure that I'm, as, a, as, as an experienced copywriter, uh, that I'm giving that back to people as well. So that's how I foresee these podcasts um, going forward. That hopefully is just a bit of fun insight for you. Um, and, and again, if, if you've got any questions or if you want to get in touch and speak to me about them, if you go on the website, I've got this great Ask Me Anything form. So you can just pop your email in there, pop your message in, asking me anything, you know, anything that's been mentioned on the podcast um, or anything that you've seen on, on the rest of my content. You just get in touch and, and we can have a really good chat about it. And I'll just leave you with that at the end of this first podcast. If you liked it, then please 
and subscribe on whichever platform you've got um, and bookmark our site uh, philbrowncopywriting.com um, where there's, there's tons of information for you on there and loads of great courses as I mentioned already um, articles uh, loads of free content as well it's not all paid some of it's paid because um, obviously I've got bills to, I've got bills to pay um, but it's it, there's loads of free content there for you to start for you especially if you just start now but also stuff for intermediates and advanced copywriters as well um, there's also lots of content there for people who have been around for a while and they're looking for some new ideas so we'll dig into that as well so that's the end of the first one episode one uh the phil brown copyright podcast um yet to come up with an exciting name for it but i'm sure it'll come with time um thanks for listening and i'll see you next time 